Pure Dog Talk is the voice of purebred dogs. We talk to the legends of the sport and give you the tips and tools to create an awesome life with your purebred dog. From showing to preservation breeding, from competitive obedience to field work, from agility to therapy dogs, and all the fun in between, your passion is our purpose. Pure Dog Talk is proudly sponsored by Trupanion, medical insurance for pets. If you're part of the Pure Dog Talk community, I think it's safe to say you take your breeding program pretty seriously. So why not take it to the next level by joining Trupanion's Breeder Support Program? You'll get access to an exclusive offer that gives your buyers the option to enroll in a full Trupanion policy with no waiting periods. You'll also receive a bunch of other goodies to boost your breeding program, like professional puppy kits, a dedicated account manager, and the chance to join their breeder referral program. And did I mention this all comes at absolutely no cost to you? Sign up is easy and free. Just follow the link on my partner page at www.puredogtalk.com. Welcome to Pure Dog Talk. I am your host, Laura Reeves, and I am thrilled, you guys. I've been trying to get my friend, Brian Martin, to come join me on the podcast for at least four years, and I am absolutely honored that today he is able to do that. So, yay! Welcome, Brian. Yay, okay. Brian Martin is a retired professional handler. He is a retired executive field representative for the American Kennel Club and is now embarking on his judging journey. So, Brian, tell us everything. How you got started, the 411 of your life. I can remember back as far as I was six years old, 1960. We went to a fun match for the Fort Dearborn Basset Hound Club. Now, my mother had purchased, she wanted a Basset Hound forever. And my father said, well, you have a budget for your groceries every week. And whatever you can save without scrimping too much on the family, if it's a dollar a week or $2 a week, whatever, you put it in a little can or a little jar And when we think we have enough money, we'll go buy a Basset Hound. Oh, my gosh. So they went to the pet store and bought a Basset Hound, pedigree, puppy. And my mother named it Sweet Violet Begonia Martin. And we love this little dog. I don't even remember what she looks like. And my father said, you know, as she got of age, we need to have puppies so the boys can understand a little bit more about life. I was six years old and my brother was three years old and my sister hadn't been born yet. Right. So this was for the boys. And he was smart enough to seek out the top stud dog in the Chicago area. And the lady agreed to breed to our bitch. Why? I don't know. (laughs) Oh, my God. But she bred, and then she said, come to the puppy match. It's a fun day. It's a picnic. We have contests. We have young puppies. Show your puppies. So we showed the puppies, and we got last in each class. My father did. He didn't know what he was doing. He watched a few things, and he went in and walked them around. And a lady came up to my father, and 
she's been watching the family all day. You know, she introduced herself and she was one of the top readers in the Chicago area. And she said, it looks like you're having fun. He said, oh, yeah, this is really nice. And she said, you know, your puppies are really, they're not good. If you like to do this, I suggest you just sell the whole lot and come out to my kennel and I'll take care of you. So he did. He sold the puppies. We sold the mother too, I guess. (laughs) I don't know what happened to her. And we went out to this kennel and... She said, I think this is a good bitch for you. This will be a good foundation bitch for you. And I'll give you like a buddy for her. And the kids can work on that one. And you work on this. Well, the bitch that my father had was lovely, but she didn't want to be there. You Mm -hmm. know, she rarely had her tail up. If anything, she put her tail out. And we got to a show. Now I'm 10 years old. And when I was eight, I won my first junior novice class. But in those days, you had to wait till you were 10 to be able to show in the open class. Right. So I just kept working with the filler, the filler bitch. (laughs) So you know the story. You go to the show and they built a major. My father's like, I'm going to finish my bitch. Great. Let's go. It's a bench show in Rockford, Illinois. Rock River Valley Kennel Club. And the judge was a gentleman, J.J. Duncan, from Atlanta, oh Georgia. Oh, my gosh. I win the major, and my father goes reserve. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen him so mad in my life. And it was a bench show, so we had to stay at the show yeah. all day. No way to get away from dad being mad. Nope. And the poor bitch, she died with that three-point major. She never won another point. She never won another point. But she did produce our first champion for us. And a gentleman by the name of Doug McLean was our first handler. He was a terrier man. He worked for Harold Florsheim, Florsheim Shoes. His wife was a sister to Cliffy Hallmark's wife. Oh, wow. So that was interesting. And so I started traveling with Dougie and going to shows. And it was a really great experience. The funniest experience, we were at that same bench. It might have been a different year because I was a little older. He says, okay, we got to take the dogs off the bench. And that's when you put the dogs on a bench chain. They right. were chained to the bench. Right. And I had to all day circle, make sure, exercise them. They had water. They didn't poo on the bench or anything like that. So I'm bringing the dogs back. And Dougie was really big in Irish Terriers. John Best in Milwaukee. He had some of the finest Irish Terriers, at least in the Midwest. He says, okay, take the dogs off the bench. So I take this standard schnauzer. Dougie showed a lot of terriers. He showed standard schnauzers and he showed hounds. So he doesn't put names on any of the crates. So I said, where do you want this standard schnauzer to go? And he said, well, just put it in that crate over there. Okay. So I open the door and I look inside and I don't see anything. So, okay, it's empty. Now the dog is not going in the crate. And I said, go on, get in there. And I kind of kick it in the butt a little bit and shove it in there and slam the door. And all of a sudden the whole crate erupts. Oh no. And I open the door and this standard schnauzer pops out 
and then I see an Irish Terrier face. Oh. Well, what the Irish Terrier did is when you look through the crate, it had bars on the other side. He stood around the bars. So it was a dark crate, and you didn't see him in there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Dougie fell over. He thought that was the funniest thing he had ever seen. Thank God nobody got hurt. Oh, my God. But that taught me real early, put names on the crates, yes. and this is Pay their attention. House. <laughs> this is their house. Yes. This is their bed. So anyway, those are some of my preteen Early things. memories. Truly memories that I'll never forget. No, we don't forget any of those early days, right? <laughs> but my father kind of came to the realization that, you know, maybe this kid's got something going here. You know, he can mold these things. And over the years, we bred a litter of every year. And so I got to show all the class dogs. Mm-hmm. And my brother, Peter, was the prince. <laughs> and he always got the special dogs. Okay. He didn't mess with the class dogs. But that was to my advantage because I got to learn that you never show two dogs the same way. Yes. They're like people. They all have a different personality and they all respond differently to what you do. And so you work on adjustments and whatnot. Mm-hmm. We moved to Libertyville in 1967. My father bought us a huge estate home on five and a half acres. And it was a beautiful house. And the living room was big enough that we could move all the furniture to the side and put the couch in the middle. And we had a dog show ring. And we would practice dog show. Yes. And my father would either sit in the corner or on the couch in the middle. And we put a mirror on the floor against the couch. And we learned to set up our dogs in front of the mirror to see what the judge was seeing. Yes. So if you had to poke them in the top line or hold the tail different or whatever, you could see it. And that was my learning on how to show the breed. And we'd do about three or four dogs a night. We'd bring them in and we'd trot them around and do this. And he said, well, move them a little faster, move them a little slower, da 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 And that was how I learned. Well, in 1970, the house burned to the ground. Mm. We had a huge electrical fire in the kennel. We lost 25 dogs in the kennel. Mm. The only thing standing with two chimneys. And it was like, oh, shit. I was a sophomore in high school then. Mm. It was amazing. The dog show community came together, donated clothes and food. And Jack Ritter, the old photographer that lived in Mundline, he donated his house for us to live in for a month or two. And then Ed Jenner had a house in Libertyville that he let us live in until my father could rebuild the house. Wow. So we were in the two houses for about 10 months and we immediately built on the same property, same hole, everything. It just cleared everything out and built a new home. And that was where we were. And that's where I lived until, well, I went to college in 72 and graduated 76 from Iowa state advertising public relations degree 
Nice. Got out of school, could not find a job. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things you got to have experience. Mm-hmm. Well, how do you get experience? Well, you know, it was one of those catch 22s. So then I decided, okay, well, maybe I'll show a dog or two, you know, pick up a client or two, and I'd bartend at night. Nice. So I got the local paper. And I saw an interesting ad. It said, horse show secretary, hire judges, order ribbons and trophies, run the show. Okay. Sounds easy enough to me. Sounds like dog shows, horse shows, whatever. So I get all dressed up in my little interview suit. And I got my portfolio with all my drawings and my ad campaigns and stuff that I did in college. And I walk into this place and guy comes up and he says, can I help you? I had the paper. I said, yeah, I want to interview for this horse show secretary job. And he took two steps back and he looked me up and down and he said, horse show secretary. I said, yeah, horse show secretary. All of a sudden I ran the interview because he ended up what he was doing. He was sending nine to five secretaries on the interviews. Oh, I love horses. I'd like to do that. And they'd go and interview and he couldn't fill the job. Well, he couldn't get on that phone fast enough because I was telling him about dog shows and horse shows have to be similar. Da, da, da. There you go. So I go on the interview. I go to the stable. It was the biggest stable in Illinois, is show stable, Blue Ribbon Horse Complex in Northbrook. They had like 250 indoor stalls Wow. An additional eight barns with 40 stalls in each barn. Wow. For shows. And then this huge indoor arena, practice arena, two outdoor arenas. It was a great place. Mm. And I walk in and interview and the guy looks at me and he was a big developer in the area that owned the stable and built the stable and He says, you know, I've never had a man do this kind of job, but I think you can do it. (laughs) Oh, okay. He says, I'll offer you $10,000 salary for the year. Well, I was hungry. So I, you know, in 1976. That's good money in 1976. Sounded good. So I took on the job and I ended up managing basically Arabian shows and hunter and jumper horse shows. Mm Mm-hmm. Or humpers and dumpers, we call them too. And while I was in that job, I became a steward, which is the equivalent in horse shows to a field rep at dog shows. Right. So I traveled around the country, shows hired me, and I'd go to their show and be a steward and make sure all the rules are followed and no inhumane things were happening and the stabling was good and the rings were maintained. I da, 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 all that stuff. So I did that and I did that till about 1986. Meanwhile, I took that business and the stable closed, but I could still run horse shows. And horse shows, all you needed was, I think, 60 days and $75 or whatever for an application fee, and you could run a horse show. You didn't have to have a club. You didn't have to have an organization. You could just, if you want to put up the money, 
the show's yours and the date's available and nothing's around. So I started managing horse shows at another stable. And I moved to Auburn, Indiana and started work with Marion Webb at Webb Dog Shows, which nobody remembers anymore. I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure I don't remember this part. <laughs> yeah. Web Dog Shows was very big in the Midwest. Okay. And actually, Roy Jones worked for Marion Webb. Okay. And then he split, he got pissed off at Marion and moved to the other side of Auburn, which yes. was a three minute drive. Yes. That's funny. <laughs> and he set up shop and set up Roy Jones Dog Shows. Okay. Which ultimately, Ken and Ginger Sleeper purchased and ran until Ken passed away and they dissolved their business. Right. So anyway, I'm working at web dog shows and I'm taking advantage of giving him a printing bill. You know, he gets to do all my printing for my prizes and stuff for the horse shows. And then I'd work at some of the dog shows when I wasn't doing a horse show. Okay. That worked out until God, I remember the day. Bob Maxwell from the American Kennel Club walked in the door and went into Marion's office and shut the operation down. Because what he was doing, he was robbing Peter to pay Paul. Uh Uh-oh. He was paying past dog shows up to six months with money he was taking in on dog shows this month. Right. And the Kennel Club says, no, you're not doing that. That's not okay. So they shut him down. But I had to take an order, a ribbon order or something, over to Lima, Ohio, the Lima Dog Show. And while I was there, I met Nancy. She was showing a dog that was sired by my dog that I didn't even know existed. Oh, wow. And it was a pretty nice dog. (laughs) And so, you know, boy meets girl, and we start talking about the dog, and da-da-da-da-da. And... That evolved into a personal thing that ultimately we ended up getting married in 83. But one of the funniest things was, she says, I got to get this dog finished because the lady has cancer and she can't pay me anymore. So she's told me I got to sell the dog, but I got to get him finished first. So I'm looking at places where I think I can go. And she lived on Long Island. She said, I'm thinking I'll take a road trip. I do. There was a summer circuit in August. It started in Traverse City, Michigan. And then you drove down to Pontiac, Michigan for the next day or two. And then you went on to Chagrin and Ravenna. Right. That was a great end of summer thing. So she said, I'm going to do Pontiac and then work my way home to Chagrin and Ravenna. Okay. She said, but I'm looking at the judging panel here and I don't recognize this person, D. Martin. Who's D. Martin? Judging the Bassadown specialty. I said, oh, I know him real good. I said, you know what? He could really like your dog. I'm sure he can. Being out of our dog, you know, and he's very, very typey dog. A little on the small side, but he could really get into this dog. You think so? Well, how do you know him so well? He's my father. Right. <laughs> I I mean, come on, Nancy. (laughs) So I said, but I'm going to tell you right now, if I say anything to him, 
be on the lookout for this dog or look for this tall, attractive girl or whatever, you're not getting higher than reserve. So I can't help you. I can't do a thing for you. I can't help you other than say he should really fall into this dog. Okay. Well, she goes and she wins and she finishes the dog. So (laughs) then it came time that we had to get the dog sold. And so Ken Murray asked me if I could find a basset hound for his client in Brazil. He showed a chow for him and he showed an Irish setter for him. He wanted a basset hound, but he just wanted to show it down there. He didn't want to show it here in the States. I said, well, I got a dog here that's a little on the small side, but he's great breeding and would be a great stud dog for a program in Brazil. So we finalized the deal at the garden a couple months later. Everybody was happy. Everybody made out. I got money. Nancy got paid. Kenny made some money on the, everybody made money on the deal and the client was ecstatic and the dog turned out to be a great stud dog in Brazil and everything worked out good. Well, that just kind of sealed the deal with Nancy and whatever. So (laughs) ultimately we got married in 1983 and started our business. And my mother had passed away in 79. So my father was living by himself. And when my mother passed, I moved back home. And I ran the horse show business out of my home because Marion Webb got closed down. Right. So I had to have some place to work it. So I lived with my father until we got married. And then he said, you guys take over the house and the property. It's really too much for me to handle. I'll just get an apartment. And so we built the kennel up. We doubled the size of the kennel and and worked on the property and started showing dogs together. And we're a powerhouse couple in all of the Midwest. Yeah. Hang tight, guys. Got a little bit of information for you. We'll be right back to the podcast in a minute. Are you ready to take your breeding program to the next level and decode your dogs? Embark is celebrating DNA Month with reduced tiered pricing during their annual sale. Stock up and save all month long with exclusive offers to celebrate. Embark's industry-leading full-panel dog DNA test identifies health risks, physical traits, and genetic diversity for breeding programs. Embark helps breeders select ideal breeding pairs to support healthy pedigrees and the lifelong care of dogs. Did you know you can plan for coat color, type, and other traits in your puppies. That's where Embark comes in. Don't miss our annual DNA Month sales event. To get up to speed before you breed, visit EmbarkVet.com and use code PUREDOGTALK to enjoy $20 off of each kit in your order. That's EmbarkVet.com backslash breeders and use code PUREDOGTALK. I'm going to get Nancy on the podcast too, so we can talk about chins, but I would love to hear a little bit about how you developed working relationship with Claudia Orlandi, because she is such a noteworthy figure. We've had her on the podcast. And how did you wind up showing Claudia's dogs? The National was down in San Diego one year, and I was showing... At the time, I had a bitch for Joan Urban down in South Texas. 
Right. And a bitch named Lipstick. And she was sired by a dog that I owned, Lipazon. Okay. That I found at the National a few years before that, which was a whole different story. I had no dogs to show. I was at the National. I had two dogs for Joan to show. She said, fly down, look at my dogs, tell me what I got. A gentleman by the name of Eric George, who was really strange in St. Louis, introduced me to Joan at the time. Joan knew my father, my parents real well. But she said, come down and look at what I've got. And I picked out litter mates and ended up going under two different judges. The first time ever in our national, I went reserve winner's dog and I went winner's bitch the first time out. Well, Jack Potts's client, Bert Salyers, who was a fancier, she just owned dogs and he showed foxhounds and basset hounds for her. She approached me. She said, I want you to show my specials dog. And I said, no, thanks. I'm not getting into that mess. I said, Jack Potts is a powerhouse in South Texas. And funny story, I was showing a dog for Joan and I went down to Corpus Christi and Greater Victoria shows. And I'm in the bathroom in the stall and somebody comes in and says to Jack, Jack's in there washing his hands, and somebody says, Jack, what's the deal with this kid that came down from the Midwest? What's going on? And at that point, I lifted my legs. (laughs) (laughs) And Jack says, oh, he's okay. He says, we'll let him down here this time, but he's going to have to work it out if he ever wants to come back which was the old mentality of the Texas crowd. You know, you had to be invited to come to Texas. Yes, yes. I never went to Texas. When I was showing dogs in Nebraska, I never once crossed the Texas border. I'm like, I have not had an invitation. I am not wasting anyone's money. (laughs) It was really bad those days. You had to have an invitation. So I figured my invitation was Mrs. Urban. But (laughs) apparently not. You have to go through jackpots. Yes. So... Fast forward now, Jack Potts is retired, he's judging, and his son is showing the dog for her, Tracy. And I said, look, Bert, I'm not getting into that. I said, I'm not stepping into Jack Potts' neighborhood here. I said, if you really want me to do this, I need his blessing, plain and simple. And I don't expect to get it. So... That's what happens, you know. So she comes back and she says to me the next day, she says, well, I talked to Jack last night and Jack says, Bert, you get that boy, you're going to go far. Grab him, grab him. She says, what do I do about Tracy? Don't worry about Tracy, I'll take care of Tracy. (laughs) So I still didn't like the dog. I didn't want the dog. I said, Bert, I know why you're asking me to show for you, because you think I'm going to win a lot, but I can't. I said, I'll get a lot of pastels, a lot of yellows, a lot of whites. We'll jump up. We'll get a few seconds, maybe a group or two. God, I don't know about a best, but I don't ever promise anything other than I'll get pastels with this dog. Well, I want you to show them. She was standing there with her partner, Randy Fredrickson, and I said, if you give me that dog over there, that black dog, promise me that black dog, I'll take this dog. 
Well, they looked at each other and said, that's a deal. Yeah, you can have the black dog. So I got a lot of pastels. <laughs> I got four or five seconds. The first time I showed the dog, I went a group. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hate that. I hate that. And she's there at the dog show. Right. Of course. It was in New Orleans, and she and Drone drove over to New Orleans and <laughs> win the group right out of the box. Oh, shit, I said. Now I'm stuck. Now you're in trouble. The black dog coming. So. Yeah. Well, the black dog was Lipizan. Okay. And Lipizan never won a best in show. Nancy won the national with him. And he won a ton of groups, but he never could win a best in show. But he had such an incredible shoulder, an incredible top line, and he was so balanced, except he needed more muscle. Mm. He was a little cutaway at the muzzle. If he had had more muzzle, it's been unstoppable. But he didn't, and you couldn't make it. So No, you can't. You're not going to create. You're not going to groom that in. <laughs> so fast forward. I'm now showing dogs for Joan, and she sends me this six-year-old bitch. And I finished about four or five of them for me. And then she said, I want this bitch finished. She's six years old. I said, oh, Jesus, Joan. So I get her finished. She's very pretty. I get her finished. And I call her up and I said, Snowflake finished. Want to let you know. Oh, that's great. When are you going to send her home? I said, well, I bred her. Silence. And then she says, excuse me? I said, I knew you'd never get her bred again. And she's such a beautiful bitch. I bred her to Lipizzan. Oh, my God. How's that for client-owner relations? (laughs) So I said, she's going to have to stay here another week or two to make sure that things get settled before I send her home in the stress of things. And da-da-da. She says, well, okay. Well, she produces lipstick. Right. Lipstick wins... 35 groups, three best in shows. I mean, even I remember lipstick. I'm not well, but I can remember seeing photos. I do want to add, don't try this at home to all you talking out there. Do not try this at home. This is like extra level, super evil Knievel, Brian Martin level. Right. So I take lipstick to the nationals and she wins the Southern Cal specialty before the national. And she's number one Bassett in the country. And Claudia approaches me and she says, I'd like you to show dogs for me. She says, I really think this is a beautiful bitch. And I know you've got this Lipizzan dog and I'd like to use him. So I'd like you to start showing dogs for me. At that point, she had been using Joy Brewster and Joy Brewster had retired and was starting to judge. So she needed somebody to show dogs. And she figured, well, if I can get them, I get them. So she had a bitch that she co-owned with Kitty Stidell. Yeah named Ginger. And she says, I'm booking you for next year's national with this bitch. And she only needs a major, but I want her finished at the national. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Eat that. You're expecting to finish her at the net. Na- I mean, you know, you never go to a national expecting to win. Ever. You think you have a chance. You hope. You hope. Hope and pray, but it's never in the box. The ribbon's never been mailed to you, and you got to send it back so you can take pictures. It just doesn't work like that. Okay, fine. If 
fine. And in the meantime, she starts sending me dogs to finish, and I finished two or three for the Nationals come, and Bumper Cars is in the 9 to 12 class. And I'm showing Bumper Cars for her. So now I've gone, won all the sweepstakes, all the futurity, winner's dog, winner's bitch. They loved you that year. Oh, yeah. So we go out, Nancy and I go out to Walmart down the street, and we buy roses for the ladies. And we came back to the function in front of everybody, and we handed out roses to the winner's dog and to Claudia and to Kitty. All right, Cruz, thank you all for joining us. This has been part one of our episode. Watch this space. Part two will be coming up soon. All right, crew. Are you excited for Westminster this year? I say, come join us for a breeder appreciation party on Friday, June 11th, being sponsored by Good Dog, Embark Vet, and Trupanion. We'll be outdoors at Hudson Anchor Rooftop, less than 10 minutes away from Westminster, and there will be free food, drinks, live music, giveaways from Chris Christensen, Revival Animal Health, and more. Plus, you can bring your dogs and celebrate the return of dog shows with lots of your fellow breeders. And P.S. If you didn't get the memo yet, Greenwich Kennel Club is hosting a weekend of standalone specialties just 30 miles down the road from Terrytown in Norwalk, Connecticut. I'll be floating around in all the places, and I can't wait to see everybody. As always, if you have any questions or input, we'd love to hear from you. The show notes and links to resources on today's topic are available at puredogtalk.com. Drop us a note in the comments or email to laura at puredogtalk.com. Remember, guys, this podcast is for you. So if you want to know something, give me a holler. We'll do a podcast for you. If you wouldn't mind, you could help me out here. Take a couple minutes to visit iTunes and give us a review. The Dog Show Superintendents Association is a proud supporter of Pure Dog Talk. Our Dog Show Superintendents are the hardworking people who make the dog show function. They are advocates for education and mentorship in the purebred dog fancy. So stop by the Supers Desk at your next show. Tell them how much you love Pure Dog Talk and give them a shout out for their support. That's all for today. Thank you for joining us on Pure Dog Talk. 